Andres Segovia Show. And welcome to the Andres Segovia Show, everyone. I am your host, Andres Segovia. And in this episode, I have a long-awaited, for those that follow the behind the scenes, this is a long-awaited episode. Uh, I have tried to post it before, but every time I try recording it, I get triggered. This is not an off-the-record thing. This is something that I can speak. I can feel free speaking publicly. It doesn't have to be reserved just for off-the-record members. But believe me, this has been a long time coming for a lot of people that have been asking. So before I get into it, I just want to say that uh, this is October. Um, I don't celebrate Halloween for personal and religious reasons. But... Like any other person, I like telling uh, some uncomfortable stories, scary stories, horror stories, suspense stories. You know, I, I enjoy those things. I like hearing some of them. I like telling some of them. You know, something that are true, something that are based on truth. You know, some, it, it's okay to feel all the emotional ranges in the human spectrum. It's okay. So this, I figured, this is the season most people are more comfortable listening to ghost stories or scary stories, it's not going to be a ghost story. Uh, that's why I'm alluding to that. Because I don't know what is what is it with some people, including some of the Christmas music. Some people will be sitting around the campfires telling ghost stories. I'm like, really? Christmas? That makes no sense. This season, the beginning of the holiday season, which is uh, kicks off with Halloween, it, uh, it has this, uh, this um, aura atmosphere in the air with autumn. Um, that even going to the pumpkin patch, I took my kids to the pumpkin patch and they, they kind of like were feeling a little scared. It's like, why are you feeling scared? And they said they don't know. Exactly. So I guess just just some aura about the, the atmosphere around this time of year. It's beautiful to me, but most people like try to label it with some horror stuff. You see some, some of these Halloween things that are going up for these theme parks that are doing those Halloween theme mazes and all that. So... I, I am not getting into any of that. I want to share with you the transaction that almost killed me. And I am not exaggerating when I say that it almost killed me. So if you're one of those people that are do not like being emotionally disturbed, that do not like intense, suspenseful thrillers, that don't want their blood boiled or blood pressure raised, this is your opportunity to tune out because once I get into it, I'm going to get into it and it's quite a journey and for that, I am going to up the creep factor with some background music as well because I need it for this scary story. So, final warning that in a, at the count of five or countdown from five, I will be kicking off the transaction that almost killed me. Five. Four, three, two, one. So I got a call from about five years ago uh, to the day almost because uh, it was September 2014 when this happened. Uh, the journey began. I got a call from someone that uh, I, I greatly respect. I work with uh, daily. And uh, she asked me because she's a, a, a client that um, is undergoing a, a financial uh, situation where uh, they were losing one of their, where they were losing their property. 
So I was asked if I was interested in possibly uh, trying to negotiate the short sell settlement with the bank because the bank is actually interested, but the the client weren't entirely sure if it was worthwhile or if they were even um, um, able to. And also they had no idea who to turn to for this kind of thing. So because I was a connection through our mutual contact, that's when I got reached out to. And I said, well, uh, I guess I consider it. I haven't done a short sell before. So this was early on in my, my broker career. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I, I'll be interested in taking it. And then my, uh, my, uh, my trusted person tell, tells me um, they're losing more than one. So you successfully negotiate one, you'll probably be able to get the rest of the portfolio which was about at least another six properties. I'm like, wow, you know, so this is a bit of a gold mine. So that was a bit of a, the, I guess the main draw that there's possibly more business in store from just one client if I can successfully negotiate this one because uh, it's different banks, different mortgages, and it operates kind of similar, but the procedures could be a little different with what some of these banks are looking for more more particular because uh, we're, we're talking about different clientele here so in order for me to be able to talk to the bank i need to first talk to the the clients the homeowners and the homeowners will then connect me uh, to as their agent uh, to the the bank so i made the call to the client uh, they, they, they were okay taking a call but then because we're talking about financial stuff uh, about the situation uh, they they were a little on guard about it and i don't blame them um so when i expressed to them that yeah this is a, uh, this was a, a meeting that was being set up through our mutual contact and they're like okay okay fine um uh, meet us on this day like okay fine we met on that day so that day i go over i meet up with them i tell them the situation that i was brought up to speed about the situation and that's happening and um, that uh, with their permission, they gave our mutual contact uh, the, the bank letter that was then shown to me to be able to um, basically uh, get in contact with the bank if they permit me because the letter said that they are willing to negotiate uh, a short sale. The thing is that this was like the final letter to that effect because apparently this has been going on for some time. The bank has been asking for a short sale for about a year and the the, the homeowners just, they, they were basically letting it go to foreclosure uh, along with the rest of the sinking ship because there was a lot of other property on um, that they were losing as well. So this was brought to my attention. I'm like, okay. So then I sat down uh, with them. I explained to them the situation and I actually pulled up my files. So I could tell you my notes because... It just so happens that the bank that uh, um, that owned this particular mortgage was a bank that I had dealt with for many, many years through the construction side. And I communicated mostly with their assets management division in Utah. And as a, from the construction side, I was very well versed on what happens after the, the foreclosure fact. So I called the bank from my own accord and asked them, hey, there, is there a possible short sale? I want to know what you guys would need in order to have a negotiation and what would this even mean for the client. So I'm going to read to you the notes that I have prepared that I presented to the client. And the short sell will not appear on your credit. So that's if you successfully negotiate the short sell. It could take two to three years, though, for you to be able to apply for a loan, assuming you only lost the one house. We're talking about a bunch of other property here. So this is me helping them in their 
senior age to be able to have a road to recovery from this um, financial uh, calamity that they were undergoing because they were losing all their properties. And if I successfully negotiate one and they hire me to negotiate the rest, then I tell them, look, we, if I successfully negotiate all the short sales, all of them are short sold, in two to three years, you'll be able to apply for loans again because you you declare bankruptcy, you have to wait for about a decade. But a short sale, you can wait two to three years. And if you successfully negotiated the short sales, these will not appear in your credit. So you actually would want this, especially if you're that late in stage in life where you, you need all the help you can get if there's nobody else looking after you, which almost seemed to be the case with them. I did mention the credit will take a hit, obviously, because it'll appear as a debt settlement, but it won't appear as a short sell. Now, with this particular bank, I told them the review process for them to consider a short sell after submitting everything to them it takes 21 days. And the thing is, during those 21 days, the bank will not give any updates. And if anyone calls in to request an update during that time, it actually hurts the progress. Yeah, believe that. Now, when it comes to a short sell, there is no cash out to the client who's selling the house because there's a debt settlement. All of it goes to the bank. So I had to make that very clear to them in case they had any intentions of like, well, you know, you're getting a commission out of this. Well, yeah, a commission because I am being hired, should I be hired, to provide a service that costs money. And there's a lot of things that need to get involved with this. So after I explained this to them and uh, went over a few other things, the client said, okay, it won't hurt to give it a shot. So, okay, let's give it a shot. They signed over uh, the the listing agreement, a short sale um, uh, listing agreement uh, to me and me being able to rep- represent them so I could communicate with the bank so I could get the ball rolling. And I told them, look, in my situation, I have a leg up to get the bank to the table faster because I have a construction background. Therefore, I can get a bid from the construction company to be able to provide all the documentation that's necessary in the first go to the bank so they can immediately get a look-see as to what the asset is. Because first off, the bank is not even here. They're out of state. And what really helps, because I'm so used to reporting these things to asset managements, this is like before, I mean, this is after the foreclosure. So I'm basically able to give them an entire portfolio that they normally get after the fact beforehand. So I'm going to give them the pictures so they can see the property. I'm going to give them a repair report, a real repair report from a company that's actually on their approved vendors list. So they know they can actually rely on that estimate of repairs. And third, I was able to get a hold of a escrow company that deals that specializes in short sales because no escrow company is going to go do some legwork for you with the possibility of getting a deal. And I was able to get an escrow company that uh, that was able to play game with me because they understood how the process worked. That you need to get a lot of pre-prepped docs in order to get the bank to the table for them to even open an escrow. So an escrow company has to be willing to be able to work ahead of time. And I found one that did. So I'm like, okay, great. So I was able to get all that over to the bank. I did the inspection and everything. I'll get to what happened in the inspection in a moment. But the point is that I was able to gather everything up and send it to the bank. Now, every time they check something, something was going wrong though. 
the bank was saying that uh, there's some missing signatures, this is incomplete or whatever, and I had to go back to the escrow company and say, look, something they, they say something's missing here. They're like, okay, so they just filled out a few more things. We got the settlement statement, this is called HUD-1, and sent it back to them. And we waited, because it's a 21-day process. Now, that's where we got to to get to the process. First things first though, I had to check the house. So when I was given the approval to uh, to be the the real estate professional for the client, um, I got the address of the property and it told me this is how you access it. I'm like, okay, so-and-so lives there. So, okay, who's so-and-so? Oh, they're a new tenant we just got in. Oh, a new tenant. Why is this a concern? Because they just signed a lease agreement with the new tenant and they're losing their property. And one of the conditions for a short sale is for the property to be delivered vacant to the buyer. Like, oh crap. Then I knew, like, I have to start an eviction process. Let's see what happens. Let's see what I do. What what can I do? There's possibly other options, and there was. But the point is that I have to go deliver the bad news to people I never met. So in order for me to even get this process going, I already told you that I was able to get an escrow company on my side. And because of my contractor connections, I was able to get a real bid. And because I had an inside knowledge with this particular bank, I had a better idea of how they worked which is why they they were enjoying working with me during the negotiation process, them being the bank. So I had to convince the client that begrudgingly said, okay, fine, let's do this. Let's see, we'll see where it goes, the senior couple. And they uh, uh, told me about the tenants. So now I had to get the tenants on board with, with the situation. And there was no way of telling because I don't know these people. I don't know any of them. I don't know what they have exchanged, but I know that because they signed the lease in the past few months, it, this is not going to look good because they were not disclosed that the rent that they're paying is for a property that's going to foreclosure and will result with them on the street no matter what. So I'm like, oh man. So I forgot to turn on the creepy music. So here's the creepy music. Okay. So now this is where we get creepy. Yes, playing this creepy haunted house music <laughs> the house itself wasn't haunted okay so the um i show up at this property knock on the door eventually uh i didn't find anybody there but eventually i have to return when somebody's around and when somebody's around i have to deliver some documents so when they sh- when they arrive i'm like oh hi so and so um i am uh, andres from mark one real estate I'm here to tell you that uh, the client has put the property uh, up for sale when we're currently negotiating with the bank. And the reason we're negotiating with the bank is because this notice is to inform you that this property is going into foreclosure and I am beginning short sale um, negotiations with the bank to be able to stop that process so we can be so we can sell it. So in essence, we're racing against the clock here. And they looked at me with these eyes, just look in their eyes. This nice couple that had three children. Remember, this is September when I got the call about this. I start the proceedings in early October. They had already set up 
their Thanksgiving things. They were skipping Halloween altogether and setting up Thanksgiving. I'm like, my goodness, this is bad. And uh, there were high emotions, and they told me they have no reason to um, uh, to cooperate. And I told him, yes, I, I understand. And of course, being uh, uh, contracted by the the seller, um, they obviously have reason to believe that it's my fiduciary duty to the seller, and that therefore I have zero interest in the tenants, which isn't true because, especially as a property um, uh, in. in an invest, an investor in real estate income property. I'm not really getting triggered. Uh, in real estate investment company uh, income property. I deal with tenants all the time, um, including when I manage my, my family estate as well. So, I, my, our motto is a happy tenant means they take care of the unit and we get timely payments, and that's what we have strived to do for more than two decades. So I understand that part. So I understood the plight of the tenants in this case. So I asked them, look, is it okay? Can I sit down with you and, ex- and explain to you your options in the situation? So then we sat down. They told me we're not going to pay the the, um, the the rent anymore or this and that. And I told them, I, I understand uh, your emotional state and whatever. What you decide to do between you and the owner is between the two of you. The situation we're faced with now is out of the control of the owner. This is the bank, the true owner of this property, because the client used a bank loan to pay for this property. Therefore, they don't have the say when it comes to the sell, but they are the the vessel in which the bank can liquidate the property. So I am here to tell you what the bank is prepared to do for you in this situation because one of the conditions required is that you vacate the premises. And of course, we're not going to vacate the premises. Uh, we've got into this lease and whatever, but we're not going to pay our um, our rent and this and that. You know, that's all, again, whatever you decide to do between you and the, the, the property owner is between both of you. I'm here to tell you what the bank is prepared to offer you. We have a... Uh, they have an offer called cash for keys that if they get your cooperation and you vacate the premises prior to the sale they will pay you X amount of dollars for your exit but that money cannot be exchanged until escrow closes and that means you'd have to leave before the escrow closes they're like, holy smokes, how do we know it's going to close? And I told them, you don't. I'm just being straight up with you. You don't. That's the reality of things. Because different factors can weigh in as to what can happen to an escrow transaction. And I can't tell you here that I guarantee you that escrow is going to sell. I mean, escrow is going to close. Because I can't speak for, for the cooperation of all parties. Because if only one party doesn't do their job, we won't be able to close escrow. But here's my commitment to you, the tenants, equally as is my commitment to the client that's hired me and my commitment to the bank. I will close this deal no matter what. I was brought in as a favor by a friend of a mutual contact with the with the client that told me about the situation and i said 
I am willing to help. I even went to the bank and the way I got the bank to the table was this. Bank, I will do this for us, a lower commission than you're typically used to paying out. They're like, well, if that's the case, then let's talk. And that's how they were able to get the bank to the table. That's how I was able to get the 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 seller, in this case, the, the client's cooperation, because I was able to strike a chord with the bank. And the tenants, they they warmed up to me. They understood the uh, they understood that I understood their plight, and they they also understood that I was very serious in getting into this because I made something very very clear that's not understood by many people for some reason. I told them, and I. As a broker, you need to know because most people believe that agents run away with people's money. We don't get paid until escrow closes. So believe me, it's in my interest to get this deal settled and closed and make sure that escrow wires the funds because my office gets the money first before they cut my check. So I need this to happen because it's in my interest as would be for you. To get this going so they gave me the cooperation i we exchanged information they gave me my contact information and i told them i will never let anybody show up without you knowing you any exchange of correspondence you'll hear from me first and if i deliver something i will so that was my commitment to the tenants and they with some skepticism of course begrudgingly agreed because they were they were realizing they weren't having much of any options here um and i and me i would understand because i'm sure they did they they probably looked into into their, their legal options by speaking to an attorney and contacting friends that they have that might be familiar with the process but that had nothing more to do with me it had more to do between them and a the seller if it ever got to that point so let's go now to the 21 day process that the bank is having to review all of this because i'm doing this entire review for well the bank is doing this entire review and i don't even know if they're even going to give the green light to consider this so i turned everything over they're like okay um, they said that uh, they, they have some um, some questions, as in, do you have a buyer? And it's like, well, I do have a buyer, and as someone that's interested in purchasing the property, uh, but they wouldn't they, they would not purchase for any more than this much. And here's and because of the the, the state of repairs that the the property is in, that that was the bid that you saw. They're like, okay, well. You know, if they can raise it up a little more, then we'll get to this point. So I was able to talk to my buyer that I did bring up um, because I work with sellers and investors. That's why I have a pool of investors that I work with. So I told them about this property and they were able to to pr- provide an offer for it before going to the, going more so into the um, the market. So it, it was able to be one day on the MLS because uh, it was some um, inside baseball that helped with this one. Uh, with with this transaction to get them to the table because I didn't have I didn't have any time to market this thing, so um, my buyer ends up backing out from from the the process when the bank demands more. So I told them, okay, uh, let me let me shop it around. Uh, is it okay if I have time to shop it around? Um, they're like, yeah, 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 go ahead, but you don't have much time. You have like five days. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, let me see if I can find a buyer. And sure enough. Uh, I was getting calls from the first day, like the first the first day that was on the MLS. I already had my buyer, but then some other ones were coming in. They were coming in a little lower, 
So that's why my buyer was still the better option. So it's not like I was I wasn't trying to look after the interest of the bank, okay? Cuz I, I want to be I want to disclose first and foremost that my interest was in getting the bank and the sellers to come to an agreement to be able to proceed with the sale. And my buyer was very serious and was making a serious offer for the property. I wasn't trying to secure a low ball for my investor, but I was trying to secure a deal for them in a sense that they had a shot at getting a property for less than normally um, would be the case if it was a fixed up property because this was, um, it's a property that needed some upgrades. Um, but with the situation being that that the bank was not entirely happy with the offer um, being a, a little lower than they wanted, um, that's when they said that they wanted to see even more bids. So my buyer backed out of that one. I, I uh, More people were contacting me through the MLS, but they were offering less than my buyer. So again, I was giving, I was presenting the better offer uh, um, to the bank. So I was looking after their interest. So when I went back to the people that had previously wanted to submit an offer and they were coming in low, I told them, look, um, I already had a buyer and they had uh, negotiated around this price and the bank rejected it. So if you want a shot at that, you need to come in a little higher than that. And um, I counted offered uh, of those other offers and they came back with, one of them came back with the highest offer, all cash. And that's what the bank wanted to hear, that it was an all cash offer and that they were offering a lot better than my uh, original buyer was which was good so the when i got when this buyer contacted me it was the buyer contacted me directly and said we want you to represent us like okay so you think that's going to help you in this sense then um that's what the original contact i told him i already have a buyer so when my buyer backed out i told him look my buyer backed out um do you have an agent to represent you for this thing and i say no we rather you did so like okay I'm willing to represent you then. And the bank liked it. But we kept going back and forth with the bank um, and escrow because something kept saying that, look, something's missing, something's missing, something's missing. Like, what else is missing? And uh, it was about uh, like 20 something days into it where the um, it looked like the short sale was gonna fall through because um, a glitch happened on their system. They're like, yeah, we're going to stop the short sale proceeding. We're going to proceed to foreclosure. I'm like, but why? Because uh, something didn't turn up on the HUD one. It's missing. You guys never provided it. Like, what do you mean you didn't provide it? I have I have an entire call log I've been keeping with you, bank. And this and this and that. And I spoke to so-and-so. And I have all the names. I have their ID numbers. And I have the dates and the times that I spoke with them. They're like, wow, you're very detailed. Yeah, I can't make all this stuff up. And like, and I suppose to so and so in that department. They're like, oh, okay, let me look into this. And they looked into it, like, oh yeah, sorry, it is here. Um, we're gonna remove it off our list, off the thingy. We can proceed. Sorry about that. It was a mix-up in paperwork. Like, please don't let it happen again, because <laughs> that was a bit of a scare that we had gotten one month into this deal um, to make things work out, and then that thing happened. So like, okay, we're gonna proceed with our review process, uh, and then we can, then we'll uh, let you know if we need anything else. So like, okay, good. So with, uh, with uh, the bank eventually saying, yes, we'll accept this offer, we'll work with it, we'll go for it, you have permission to open escrow. I informed the buyers, like, look, buyer, they accepted the offer, there'll, there'll be no more um, countering here, so let's get escrow opened and let's proceed. So I contacted escrow, I told them, let's get this going, 
and the, the escrow rep that I had been working with, she said, great, I have a very trusted uh, um, title company that's going to help us in this situation because in these situations with short sales, we need to be very careful with title. I understand. So within the first three days, um, it's, as you could tell, it's a very long story. So in the first three days, the, um, the, title, the preliminary title report comes back and something pops up in the title report. They're like, hey, uh, it looks like there's a second mortgage to this thing, not just one. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Um, there's a second mortgage. Yeah, okay, yeah, but what does it mean? It's like, well, what it means is that the current mortgage holder is the, is the one you're negotiating with. But there is a second mortgage holder that has rights to this property that doesn't know about this proceedings and they must be let known beforehand about the situation because they'll have to get involved in title in order for us to be able to clear title to then be able to sell it. It's like, okay, this was the clock that was starting as of that day. And I said, okay, um, what, 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 I'll look into it. I'll, I'll find out if they know anything. I'll talk to the client. So like, okay, I want to go talk to the client. It's like, hey client, um, we got the preliminary title report back and uh, just, just uh, something popped up. Do you have a second mortgage on this property? They're like, not to our knowledge. My goodness, what could it have been? Well, they don't remember. And apparently that's, that second mortgage was like over 10 years old. So whatever it was, they don't even remember. Um, they don't remember if they ever paid it off because they don't remember any collections on it. So it's like there was just really nothing there. And like, okay, I looked at the bank. The bank didn't exist anymore. So I contacted uh, escrow and title when I told them about the, you know, about the situation. They're like, okay, we'll just, all right, we'll just leave it alone. And the, the escrow told me, yeah, it's, it's going to be scratched off, so we won't have to worry about it. It's like, okay, that's fine, because that's what supposedly the title rep had told the escrow officer. And I'm only conveying information here, people. I'm not saying this is what people should be doing. I'm just telling you what they told me, so I didn't think much any, any more of it and just dealt with the transaction side of things with the buyer, seller, and the tenant. Then one day, I get a call from the tenants. This is uh, late October, nearing Halloween. Um, so I get a call from the tenants, and they told me, how could you do this to us? Uh, this is not what we agreed upon. I'm like, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? They're like, you sent us a letter. I'm sorry, I didn't send you any letter. Said, like, yeah, we received a letter that's demanding payment for the rent. I'm like, demanding payment for the rent. Oh, does it have the client's name on it? Like, yeah, it has the client's name on it. Said, like, okay, that has nothing to do with me though. Um, did uh, did you guys stop paying the rent? Yeah, we stopped paying the rent because he's not paying the mortgage. It's like, okay. Remember, that's between both of you. But please, um, let me talk to the client. Because they said, yeah, you better talk to the client because we're not going to move out anymore. We're not going to have, uh, we're not going to cooperate with your, with your transaction anymore. So I'm like, oh, crap. Let me just talk to the client, okay? Because I cannot lose their cooperation because they don't leave. I cancel the property because the buyer's expecting the property to come in vacant per the agreement because the bank said they only sell if it's vacant. And the buyer has said they will not take it without being vacant. And I can't successfully negotiate a short sale if I don't have a buyer that will acquire the property. In this case vacant so i call up the the client i tell him and i'm upset because like did you send a demand letter to the tenant he's like yeah i did he's like oh come on it's like andres i'm suing them he's like oh my goodness you're suing them it's like yes andres i mean they're being kicked out when they're when they're kicked out they still owe me rent per the lease it's like well technically he's right so that's a lesson for you folks 
a landlord still has a, has the power to do that because you enter in agreement with him. You didn't enter in agreement with the bank. So back to the thing. And when he told me that, I'm like, oh my goodness, sir, do you understand that I, I'm losing the cooperation of the tenants? I might not be able to successfully negotiate this short sell if I don't have the cooperation. Well, I don't mean to step on your toes here, but whether you negotiate it successfully or not, it means nothing to me. I just want to make sure I secure my money. He said that because he knows that this is the debt settlement with the bank. He's losing the property. He doesn't care. The bank is the one that cares about the money. I'm giving him a way out to be able to successfully negotiate a debt settlement that could help them get back on their feet two to three years from now. But instead of seeing that, they're looking at the now. That's my rental money. Once they leave, how am I going to get my money from them? I'm suing them to secure my funds. I want to get a judgment against them to make sure they pay me the rent that I'm owed. Sir, let me deal with this. So I drive straight to the property, which is about 30 uh, 30 miles from um, from where I typically am and it's about a one and a half hour driving traffic every time so I go over I I see the tenant like hi um, I came directly to you can I see the letter it's like yes so I got the letter I sat down with them and I'm reading it to them like then I'm really understanding what this is I'm like like um, folks let me tell you this letter is not just a demand letter for rent he's suing you whether you stay here and this property goes to foreclosure or whether you cooperate and leave, it's no different now. He's coming after you. Um, he says he wants to secure his money and this is how you're securing it. He's suing you because you didn't pay him the rent. So he's, uh, he's suing you for the back rent and the rent, the future rent that's owed, etc. cetera, uh, per the lease and you're gonna need an attorney to fight this. And they didn't like hearing any of that, obviously. And I told them that look, this, this, uh, he's within his right. Um, just like you're in your right to, to understandably be emotionally disturbed and say you don't wanna cooperate. If I were you, this is what I would do. I would cooperate with the transaction. What you do with the, with the owners is, again, I, can't, I don't want to take any sides in this because I understand your play and I also understand them. And legally, I'm bound to be in their interest, but I also understand what's happening here with you. You would want to be cooperating because now the money that the bank, not the owner, the bank is offering you, you're going to need it. You're going to need it for this case. And they, they told me um, to, to think about it. Uh, that they'll confer um, and let me know. So, I'm so sorry about all this, I told them. This is just... I'm sorry. And because this episode is getting very, very long, uh, I will pause it here for part one to leave you in suspense for part two <laughs> uh, and let you know how things uh, uh, conclude. So this wraps up this episode of the Andres Segovia Show. This tale of terror will continue in the next one. So until then, sleep well at night.